Man, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Y'all doing good? Awesome. We're so glad that you guys are here. And I just want to say a quick shout out, a quick welcome to every first time guest. That, that Man, today's your first time. Thank you for being here. Um, and then my wife is here somewhere. She was just sitting there. She like vanished. I don't know. But um, I think today, if I'm not mistaken, is the first gathering that she's been able to be in. Easter will be a year, and uh, she's been loving on those babies, so I'm so glad that she's here. I think she disappeared because she knew I might have her stand or something. I don't know. Y'all see her, just point to her. All right, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But we're so glad everybody's here. If you've been here for a long time, we're glad you're here. Today's the day that God has made, the Bible says. Man, we're gonna rejoice and be glad in it. We like to have fun here. Um, we believe that, that God wired us. Um, to have fun, to enjoy life, and that, so you're going to experience a little energy, and, and you just join us, okay? Don't try to fight it, just join us, and uh, we'll have a good time. I love the songs that we, we were singing, because for me, it's really, it's, it's part of my story. It's, it's who I am. When, when we sing that, God, your love never fails, when we talk about one thing remains, let me just, let me break it down just for a second and, and, and try to serve it to all of us today that here's here's the truth the truth is no matter who you are or what your past was like or where you came from or what last night looked like there is a god in heaven who knows you by name and he loves you and is absolutely crazy in love with you and he, and he spread his arms out like this one time to simply say i love you this much and so that's good news, and that's what the gospel is about, is, is about hope. Because if you're like me, you need hope, because you're a mess up. Because you've messed up, right? Because you screwed up before. I, when I was in eighth grade, I was, so, I, I was so hurt, man. My mom, she died in a car accident. A guy was drinking and driving. Don't do that. Drinking and driving, going 100 miles per hour, and he hit us on impact at 100 miles per hour. Franklin, Tennessee, and took my mom's life like that. And, and so there was all kinds of hurt, all kinds of pain in my heart because God, why would you allow that to happen? And I remember in the eighth grade putting a gun in my mouth and thinking, you know what, I'm just gonna end it, man. There's so much pain. There's too much pain. I can't deal with it any longer. I can't cope. You can't cope without hope. But if, if you get just a little bit of hope, I promise you what will happen is you'll learn and you'll experience that you can cope because of hope. And, and that's what God is all about. There's my beautiful wife. Everyone turn around and look at her right there. That's my hot mama right there. Woo! Smoking. I get to stand up here. I want to tell you, she's a servant. She's a warrior. She loves God. She challenges me to love God more. And she keeps the brother in line. Ain't gonna lie. Ain't gonna lie. Now, I love her. She's, that's my better half right there. But, man, eighth, eighth grade, and I'm hurt, and I'm, I'm like, God, so much pain. And God met me right where I was at. I'll never forget one time, I'll never forget being so upset, so angry because my mom died that I remember, I remember pointing to heaven and saying things I should have never said to God. And God in his grace and God in his mercy. You know, it's kind of like Forrest Gump, if you remember the movie. You remember the storm. And he gets all big and bold with God, and nothing happens. So there must not be a God, right? Ah, wrong. I think sometimes the fact that nothing has happened, that there's been so much mercy, boy, then that just proved that there's a God. For me, 
God totally changed my world. It, it wasn't long after that that my life, when I turned it to Christ, my life began to be filled with hope. And instead of all of a sudden me being shackled by the pain that I was in, all of a sudden I was free to begin to tell my story and help other people. And so I say all that as a way of introduction. If you're here today and you don't want to be here, it's okay. Someone dragged you here today. Someone twisted your arm. Someone promised you they would buy you. You know, they'd take you to Ruth Chris afterwards or Jackson's or, or I don't know, man. Listen, we are glad that you're here today. And we just want you to know, no matter how far you feel you are from God, no matter how angry you are with God, no matter how many questions you have unanswered, no matter if you don't even believe in a God, and you're like, I don't give a crap about God. I don't even think he's real. Whatever, I'm here, humor me. Wherever you are on that grid, I just want you to know that God knows where you're at. And the cool thing is, is he meets us where we're at. He doesn't say, come up here to me. He steps down, and he stoops down, and he'll meet you. And the cool thing is he won't leave you there. That's good news. So today, that just kind of leads right into my message today. We're going to start a new series on James. James is going to be an incredible book. I'm so excited because there's so much wisdom in James. And we're going to be in James for like a year. Do You know, in James, there's so many, just a, a one little phrase that has the power to totally change your life. If you own a business or you work for a business, it has the power to totally change your life. If you're a grandparent or you're a teenager, you're a middle schooler or a high schooler, it has the power to totally change your life. And so I can't wait to get into this book. But right before we jump in there, I think you got an Easter egg. Did you get an Easter egg on your way in? Okay, if you didn't, you got gypped. I'm sorry, because <laughs> it's got chocolate inside, man. I'm sorry. Check the person next to you. Maybe they took your egg. I don't know. <laughs> You want, a, you want an egg. Everyone pull out your eggs real quick. Everyone pull out your egg. And um, right before we jump into the message, I just want to say something crazy. You ready? In, in a couple weeks on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a 10,000 egg hunt. And it's going to be incredible. Um, I really wish I could tell you things that have unfolded this week, but you just hang in there and um, we, we're going we're gonna, to... Let you know what God has been doing about this whole Easter thing. It will blow your mind. It's blown my mind. But one of the things I, I do want to talk to you about is we are going to have an Easter egg hunt. And so we need your help. Now, we like all skates around here. We don't want you to come and sit and then soak and eventually you sour. We want you to get in the game. And one way everybody can get in the game, everyone loves candy. And uh, so one of the ways you can get in the game is to help us with candy because the truth is we're gonna need 30,000 pieces of candy. Someone say, oh yeah, oh yeah. If I was a kid, which I kinda am at heart sometimes, just thinking about 30 pieces of candy is crazy. I'm just all excited. Everyone, one more time, oh yeah. That's right. And we're gonna see all these children out there go crazy and we're actually gonna have the hunt across the street by the football field and it's gonna be incredible watching these little kids go after all these eggs. Um, I love it. Nothing, nothing greater as a parent um, with holidays, I think, than Christmas and Easter, man. It's something about watching your kids experience something for the first time. So a couple things real quick. I need your help. Number one, we need you to bring candy. I love candy. That's what we need you to do, all right? Need you to bring candy, lots of candy, and we don't want junk candy, okay, because we're representing Jesus and... Um, we ain't doing no junk candy around here, all right? You understand what I'm saying? Don't get on Oreo, you know, trading and try to get, you know, like, 
some piece of candy been there for five years, you know, and there, it's like half a penny, man. We could, don't do that. Just say no. But uh, no, seriously, I'm joking. But, but we just believe God loves chocolate. So, so open up your eggs. Would you open up your eggs real quick? There's three different types of candy in these eggs, and these are what we're asking you to kind of purchase. There's no Godiva in here, so don't, don't get too worried. But, but there is, man, there's bubble gum. Bubble gum's in there, man. Look at this, now and later. Oh, I love those, don't you? You just give it to your kids and guaranteed for peace and quiet for 30 seconds at least. Because then, and then, you know, chocolate. So we need this candy to be wrapped. We need to be wrapped. So don't put like, a, you know, three M&Ms in there. God bless your heart. Don't do that. All right. Safety first. All right. Don't do that. But man, I brought 100 eggs. That's great. Put them in my truck. I'll eat them. But we did not give them to the, the kids. Now, also, someone in here, I think you should have like a hacky sack football, if I'm not mistaken. Did you open it up? Who's got the hacky sack? We need the football, if I'm not mistaken. Got a soccer ball, got a basketball. Anyone get a football? You, you want to open it because you're, you're a winner today. So just go ahead and crack open that egg. Um, where is it? Where is it? Okay, stand up. Will you stand up real quick? We're going to get you a gift right back here. Mama Gail's got you a little gift. All right. Awesome. Put your hands together, guys. Y'all do better than that. Very cool. All right, so I think I covered everything. If you have any questions, see Mama Gail. Mama Gail, would you raise your hand in the back? Um, but we need your help. Beginning next Sunday, we want you to bring candy. Bring lots of candy, and we're going to bring it all the way up to Easter. 30,000 pieces is our goal, is our mission, so that these kids can experience everyone getting tons of candy, and uh, we can have a lot of fun, okay? Did I do that well? Did we cover that? We all good? Awesome. Candy. Not the cheap stuff, the good stuff. All right? Awesome. James, let's talk about James real quick. We don't have a whole lot of time, but I want to talk to you about James and let you know that James was a real guy. Now, we're going to get into this book, and today is not like some deep message. Today, I'm just going to give you background because we're going to be in the book of James for a year, and it's going to be great because we're going to break down each saying that James says. Man, he'd speak out of wisdom and say, do this, or he'd say, man, be careful here. And we're going to take each one of those and break it down and just say, man, what, we're going to flesh it out. What does that look like? How do we live this? Because wisdom is not only having knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to receive the knowledge and then live it out. Wisdom is being able to say, you know what? I've taken this knowledge. I've taken this understanding. I've taken this truth, whatever you want to call it, the greater good, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, I've taken this truth, and now I'm not just hanging on to it, or it's not just sitting on a bookshelf somewhere. I'm living this truth. This truth has become part of me, and so I live that way, and in James, um, James says so many powerful, profound things, yet simple but relevant wisdom, and so it will help you. I promise you, it will take your life to a whole nother level, but James, I want to tell you about this guy James is not the James more likely that you're thinking about when we talk about this James. Be honest with you, I didn't realize this. I'm 37, I went to Bible college. If I knew it, I certainly forgot it. But I did not realize who this James was. There's like four James in the New Testament. You got the Peter, James, and John, you know who I'm talking about? They were kind of Jesus' inner circle. They kind of got to go places other disciples didn't. Um, they, they were uh, the best of the best leaders, but this is not that James. It's not that James. This is, this is a different 
James. And, and this James spent his entire life struggling. Have you ever struggled? How many of you are second born? Would you raise, stand up, just stand up. Let me see this. You're second born, stand up. Would you all over the room, stand up, second born. I'm standing, I'm second born. See, I told you this was an active church. Look at that. All right, all right, good stuff. Y'all be seated. This guy, James, this guy, James, was second born. And he had a really rough life, I guess, because his older brother was like, almost like, well, literally perfect. His brother was Jesus. He was the half-brother of Jesus. Now, now listen, listen. This James spent his entire life not believing in Jesus. Like, he believed him to be like, yeah, your name's Jesus, but I don't believe that you are Jesus. I don't believe you are the Messiah. I don't believe you're the chosen one. I don't believe that you one day will die and take away the sin of the world. I, I don't believe that. And can't you just imagine, Jesus was the firstborn, right? Mary gave birth. She was a virgin, the Bible says, and she gave birth to Jesus. And that was a supernatural miracle that the Spirit of God put Jesus inside of her. She'd never been with a guy. And here's Joseph. He's engaged, and he finds out his wife is pregnant. Hello. That's a rough day. It wasn't me. It was what? You're what? No, 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 no. Trust me. I know you're not going to believe it. Sit down. But I got to tell you what the angel said. Okay. I'm just going to pass out now. This is getting crazier by the second. But that's what happened. And Jesus was born in the second child born from Joseph and Mary, this guy was different than Jesus. This guy had a sinful nature. I don't know if you know about the sinful nature, but the truth is every one of us has a sinful nature. All you have to do is have kids to understand about the sinful nature. I have three of them. I'm getting, I'm getting a, uh, thank you, I'm getting a uh, doctorate degree in, um, in, in working with the kids and watching little Gavin, who's two years old, Watching him, how he can get upset so quickly. I mean, we're at Lambert's last night with our friends from Tampa, and um, we wanted them to experience some of that. And so we're at Lambert's and home of the throwed rolls, and, and old Gavin just threw a punch. <laughs> I mean, there's Jaden, you know, and Jaden's super nice and very tenderhearted and loves you. And there's Gavin. He's like, I'm going to bloody your nose. <laughs> Boom. You know, for no reason. And we're like, oh, that's Gavin. He's a bruiser. But the sinful nature, it starts in children. And so all you have to do is have a kid to realize, man, I didn't teach him to lie. I didn't teach him to steal. I didn't teach him to talk to his mama like that. It just comes naturally. It's a sinful nature. Jesus didn't have that nature, but James did. And so James, his whole life was in the shadow of an older brother who was perfect. Imagine that one. Jesus, let me see your report card. 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. James, let me see yours. 59, 75, you know, C minus D. F, what? What, you got an F? Jesus got all hundreds. It's not, you know, uh, James, did you make your bed? James like, no, I didn't make my bed. I slept in late. Well, well, Jesus already made his bed. In fact, he made yours too. Don't worry about it, okay? I mean, that is just crazy what he had to deal with. James, did you, did you brush your teeth before you went to bed? Mom, for real, come on. Jesus said, I did. <laughs> so James had this tension. There was this tension in his life that his older brother was perfect. And James certainly wasn't anywhere near perfect. 
And so there was jealousy. There probably was some bitterness. You know what bitterness is. Bitterness is simply anger. Listen to me. If you have anger in your heart, and so many times all of us deal with anger, anger will ferment and become bitterness. And if you're angry at someone, and if you don't deal with that, it will hurt you. It will affect your health, and it will hurt you more than it will hurt them. Kind of like picking up a hot coal, like you're grilling, you pick up a hot coal to throw at someone because you're angry at them. It makes no sense because you're going to hurt yourself first. It's what anger does. And when you hang on to anger, don't we all know James was angry at Jesus for a long time because Jesus is perfect. Jesus perfect, whatever, man. And he'd had enough. And this was the tension, the tension of his life, that he was living in older brother's shadow, Jesus. And then Jesus turns 30, and Jesus starts doing these miracles. I mean, like, literally, everyone in town is talking about him. The paparazzi is there for crying out loud. Scribes and Pharisees, and I mean, they're just all over the place. Everyone's buzzing about Jesus. Now he's the most popular person in town, and Jesus leaves, and James is like, it's about time. I get your bedroom. What about that? How about that, Jesus? I got your bedroom. See ya. You take your time, all right? All right, we'll see you. Bye-bye. Toodaloo. Finally, getting rid of Jesus, and Jesus travels, and then Jesus comes back into his hometown, and I just want to paint this picture for you to understand that Jesus not only had a brother, he had brothers, and he had sisters, and there was this whole disconnect between Jesus' older brother and younger siblings. And there was this tension. And so we're going to look today. I want to read a passage of scripture. It's found in Matthew. If you have your iPhones or smartphones or iPad or Bible, take it out. And I want you to look with me at Matthew. We're going to read Matthew 13. Today I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read a couple verses. Try to unpack this and, and we'll get ready for next week. The Bible simply says this. When Jesus had finished Telling these stories. Jesus, by the way, is uh, the greatest storyteller that has ever lived. He's the greatest leader that had ever lived. So when he told a story, people listened. People leaned in. It was quiet. There weren't interruptions, which can be very distracting if you're a communicator. It was just quiet. People are listening to Jesus. They're hanging on every word. The Bible says, well, he's telling these stories and illustrations. He left that part of the country. And he returned to Nazareth. That was his hometown. And when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed. Everybody was, everybody was amazed. And they said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Now, that's the first part. Now watch how it totally turns. Let's carry on. The Bible says this. Verse 55, then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary. Yeah, we know Mary, his mother. And we know his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. This isn't the Judas that betrayed him. But they, they list out his brothers. And all his sisters live right here among us. Um, so there it is. And then they say, where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. You know, the only sin that will keep you from heaven, the only sin, thank you, the only sin that will keep you from heaven is rejecting Jesus. 
and saying, you know what, I, I, I refuse to put my trust in him. I'm, I don't need him. He's a savior. So imagine if, if we were all out at the beach and we were swimming. And imagine if you started to drown, got caught in a rip current, and the lifeguard begins to come out to help you. But instead of listening to the lifeguard and doing what the lifeguard is telling you in that emergency moment, you just decide, I don't need this lifeguard. I'm going to swim out of it. I've been a surfer for six years. I don't need you. And you begin fighting off the lifeguard who was meant to be your savior. Imagine what that might look like for you. And so it is that when people spend their life refusing to be rescued, that it doesn't end well because life is full of rip currents. You can be fine one minute. Next thing you know, it's like you're sucked under and you don't, you're not sure which way's up. That's how life is. And so we look here at the passage and, and now all of a sudden, his people, his own people, his own brothers and sisters, they went from saying, yeah, look at him teach to all of a sudden, man, we can't stand him. And the Bible says that they were not only deeply offended, but they refused to believe in him. And if I could just tell you why I moved here, if I could tell you why, why we chose to sacrifice is because I believe this to be true, that there are good people in this room who, you know what? You need to be rescued. You're not perfect. You know you've messed up. Life maybe hadn't been fair to you. And yet, you're doing every, <clears throat> excuse me, everything you can to try to get out of this rip current that is pulling you under. It's literally sucking the life out of you. And you're not sure what to do. And I just want to tell you today that the hope of this gospel is that there is someone that loves you no matter what you've been through, no matter how bad you've been, that there is someone that traded places with you a long time ago. And he said, I know you're not perfect. I get that. I get you. And I choose to take your payment so that you can choose and experience my life. And I believe this room is not only filled with people that you need a savior today. Man, life's been hard. <clears throat> You've been resistant. You're like, oh, why would I believe in God? If, if God is real, why does bad things, why do bad things happen? Why did my mom die? Why was she decapitated when she was like 28 years old, leaving two kids and a father and a, a daughter that their life was, looked like they were gonna die? And like, why would that happen? And whatever your story is, you fill in the blank. Why would this happen? Why would, why would my second marriage crumble when I swore it, I, I wouldn't allow it to happen? Why, why do my children not even Love me. Why don't they even want to come home? They don't even want to talk to me. Was I really that bad of a parent? Maybe you're here and the truth is you're a liar and everyone knows it but you. And you have no friends because the truth is at the end of the day, people don't like liars. Or maybe you're just so proud. You're, you're, you're posing because you're truly, really insecure and, and it just comes across as this security and this, this pride. You got everything under control and the truth is, man, you're just a few seconds away from everything crumbling around you and you're scared. Whatever your story is, there's a God that knows you and loves you and accepts you and did everything for you. Everything. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's okay. Because James didn't believe Jesus either. In fact, 
Jesus died on the cross and his own brothers and sisters were not there. You hear what I'm saying? His own family weren't there. His mom was there. Another lady was there. Mary was there. And Mother Mary was there. And John was there. But where was his brother James? James wasn't there because James said, man, whatever. He got what he deserved. All that Messiah talk, whatever. And Jesus still loved him enough that three days later when Jesus proved everything he said was for real, Jesus made an appearance to his brother James. 1 Corinthians tells us this, chapter 15, that he chose to appear to James so that James could know that he was who he said he was. And that's really good news for me, and it's really good news for you because I'll be honest with you, I've doubted before. I'm not perfect. I'm a pastor. I'm far from perfect. Ask my wife. Our kids know how to apologize because daddy does it all the time, man. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not perfect. Being a preacher doesn't make me perfect. I'm human. Boy, I struggle with my attitude sometimes. You ever struggle with your attitude? Not always a person I should be. And that's how James was. And Jesus said, that's okay, man. I'm gonna appear, I'm gonna prove to you. I'm gonna show you my hands and my feet. I'm gonna let you see that I'm real. And here's the really cool thing is that this guy who was an unbeliever, who didn't buy into this Jesus stuff, all of a sudden, when there was proof, some of y'all are here today and you're like, man, I can't believe in this Jesus thing because there's just no proof. You know, you got faith and whatever, but I'm like into science. I want to tell you something. Science doesn't disprove God. If you really want to go that way, go that way. Because I promise you, at the end of the day, if you want to study science and you want to, that's good. You, you don't have to dumb down your intellectualism to come to Jesus. Jesus is about facts. Jesus is about proof. Jesus is about letting us understand that, that he really is the way, the truth, and the, the life. Man, no one said the stuff Jesus said. He was either Lord or he was a liar, or even worse, a lunatic. But he was real. And James, when James saw the resurrected Jesus, he, you gotta understand this, he spent his whole life saying, heck no, I don't believe in that stuff. Whatever. All of a sudden he sees Jesus. And Jesus doesn't, thank you very much, Jesus doesn't appear on the scene like, I told you, I'm telling you what you think now. How you like me now? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't turn up his nose. Jesus didn't be like, you need to repent right now. Jesus didn't get out the big family Bible and say, come here, I'm gonna hit you. He didn't do that. He didn't act crazy. I think he probably just showed mercy. He probably appeared to James and just looked at him and hugged him. And I bet, I bet James began to weep because James probably wasn't exactly nice to Jesus. And I bet I bet if I can just go there for a minute, I bet that all of a sudden a stone cold heart said, I don't believe in him, whatever. And all the things, I believe all of a sudden that stone cold heart began to melt because mercy changes everything. Man, there's some of you here today that you're saying, heck no, I don't believe in him. And maybe you have a good reason to feel that way. If I could just meet you or let you know that Jesus wants to meet you where you're at today, I believe with all my heart 
that the same Jesus that says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You're tired. You're exhausted. If we break it down in our terms. Come to me, everyone. You don't have any hope. Come to me. You're exhausted. Come to me. Your whole life right now is defined by tears. Come to me. You can't sleep at night. Because of everything going on in your mind, come to me. Jesus would say, come. My favorite words in scripture, Jesus says, come to me. And he holds James, and I bet James begins to weep. And James, in that moment, he goes from unbelief to total belief. And he's totally changed. The very first verse, we'll talk about this next week, but it says, James, the servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. If anyone could have dropped a name, it could have been James. He could have been like, James, yeah, I'm the, I'm the brother of Jesus. But he didn't do that. He said, the servant, how do you get from unbelief to humility? The love of Jesus. And he wants to meet you wherever you're at today. You've been stiff-arming him like it's NFL combine. You've been doing this your whole life. I want to tell you something. Jesus is not the FBI. He will not kick open the door of your heart. He knocks, and he waits, and he's patient. In fact, for 33 years that he lived, he knew he would die, and he knew his own brother. How do you think that felt? He knew his own family, his own brothers and sisters wouldn't even be at his most critical hour. And when he shows up, he appears with nothing but love and forgiveness. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of grace. And it's amazing. And it's relevant. And it's for you and for me. I would say this and we'll land the plane here. James goes on to be one of the early church fathers. He goes into... The sinner, the, 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 the very um, middle of where this Christianity thing was blossoming. And he becomes the pastor of a people who are being persecuted for their faith. James becomes the pastor of this church in Jerusalem. And he begins to encourage people who are literally losing family members. Because they're saying, kill me. I still will believe in Jesus. Because James saw the love of God and it was real. And it was like a tattoo. It wasn't rubbing off. It was stuck to him. And it changed him forever. And he not only lived out his faith, he died. History tells us that he was one of the first martyrs to be martyred for his faith. Doesn't that blow your mind today? That the very guy who said, no, 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 no. I'm sure he cussed out Jesus. I'm sure he told people all kinds of things that had just was infected in his heart about Jesus. I bet he lied about Jesus. I bet he gossiped about Jesus. I bet he was disrespectful to his mama. I bet he got in fights with with Mary, his mother, about Jesus. And you always, and how come you all, and he and all that stuff that had been just growing and 
infection spreading like disease for years. And then in one moment, Jesus appears to him with nothing but love and mercy and grace. And he meets him right where he was and he embraces the very person that hurt him. Because God does that kind of stuff. Wherever you're at today, whatever you've said about Jesus, maybe you said GD today and Damn it is not his last name. Maybe on the way over, someone pulled in front of you and you, boy, you threw that out. I want to tell you that the very God that I'm talking about today, he'll embrace you even though on the way over today, you said something like that. You tracking with me? Because he'll meet you where you're at because he loves you. And it's not about you getting cleaned up and you being a good person. And Man, we're all messed up. None of us here are perfect. None of us here are totally clean unless we've come to Jesus and his blood has made us clean. That's the only way you get to heaven. It's the only way you get to God. You don't go to church to get washed up. You come to Jesus and you say, this is me. This is me. This is my, my life. And I bring all of it, all my baggage, all my sin, all my scars, all my failures. It's all here, Jesus. It's open. This is who I am. And I got a lot of hurt. And I got a lot of pain. And I got a lot of scars. And I've been running from you for years of my life. And and I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And and you don't have to believe everything. You You don't have to understand everything. But that there's a God who loves you and died for you. So you would not have to die in your sins and then he gave you a free pass to heaven and it's not just about heaven one day it's about heaven today it's about me living today the love of God living through me today so that I love someone Saturday Waffle House sweet lady there we're getting ready to pray right by the Civic Center and I ask her Kathy we're going to pray over our food anything we pray for you about and all of a sudden God comes into Waffle House in a moment and all of a sudden she looks at me and and she tears up and, and she says my husband died in October And I still haven't got any money. Here she's working at Waffle House. She's not 20. And all of a sudden I see all this pain in her heart. We just pray with her. Pray for her. And before we leave, just say, Kathy, can I give you a hug? And she comes up and I just give a big squeeze, just held her. See what I'm saying? That's being Jesus with skin on. That's meeting people where they're at. It's not about us standing on street corners and screaming at people and telling people they're going to hell. People need hope. Jesus is the hope. If your marriage is crumbling today, there is hope for you. If your life is just, man, it's falling all apart and you just cannot get your act together, you are a total mess. There's hope in Jesus. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? James went from rejection to belief maybe there's some people here today that needs to be your story you've been running from him he loves you he died for you I want to tell you I believe with all my heart that today I believe with all my heart today there will be people today you will pass from death unto life you, you don't need Jesus you don't need Jesus just to get you to heaven or to keep you from hell you need Jesus because without him you are dead like I got ESPN magazine in the mail last night and I read this article I've been dying to read it's about Michael Jordan 
Michael Jordan's talking about life after basketball and how there's this emptiness, how there's this thing inside of him that, man, not even basketball really could fill. And there's still this thing that he's searching for. And he doesn't know it. And, and I don't say it out of judgment, but I just read the article and I think it's Jesus. Jesus is, is the hope. Jesus is the thing you're missing. If you're here today, please, I beg you, please, I beg you. No one told us mama was going to die on August the 6th, 1980. Man, we had just had a great family reunion. No one told us. Yeah, you're stopping at the gas station. Dad's buying you a candy bar and a bottle of Coca-Cola. And in about five minutes, your mother is going to slip out into eternity. No one warned me of that. It just happened. We're not guaranteed another, another breath. We don't know. Don't gamble with your soul. Man, Jesus will meet you right where you're at. He'll forgive your sins. He'll make you clean. And I promise you, he'll wash you whiter than snow. You're here today and you say, Tim, I'll be honest, I'm like James. I'm like James. I've been doing a lot of stiff arming, a lot of rejecting, a lot of dissing, whatever. Don't believe in that. But today I feel something inside. That's called, that's called God at work. That's called conviction. God's drawing you. And unless God draws you, there's no hope. So that's good news, what you're feeling. Say, Tim, today I just want to, I want to put my hope in Jesus. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to put my faith, my dependence in Jesus. I want to believe that, yes, I believe you died for me, Jesus. I believe you were buried, and three days later, I believe you rose just like hundreds of years before you were ever born said would happen. I believe you, and I receive you.